Section three from Richard of Jamestown. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Richard of Jamestown. A Story of the Virginia Colony by James Otis. Section three. Captain Smith Accused. And now was a most wicked deed done by those who claimed to be in command of our company, for they declared that my master had laid a plot with some of the men in each vessel of the fleet, whereby the principal members of the company were to be murdered, to the end that Captain Smith might set himself up as king, after we were come to the new world. All this was untrue, as I knew full well, having aided him in such work as a real clerk would have done, and had there been a plot, I must have found some inkling of it in one of the many papers I read aloud to him, or copied down on other sheets, that the work of the quill might be more pleasing to the eye. Besides that, I had been with the captain a goodly portion of the time, while the ships were being made ready for the voyage, and if he had harbored so much of wickedness, surely must some word of it have come to me, who sat or stood near at hand, listening attentively whenever he had speech with others of the company of adventurers. CAPTAIN SMITH A PRISONER When the voyage was begun, and the captain no longer had need of me, I was sent into the forward part of the ship to live, as has already been set down, and therefore it was I knew nothing of what was being done in the great cabin, where the leaders of the company were quartered, until after my master was made a prisoner. Then it was told me by the seaman, who had been called by Captain Kendall, as if it was feared my master, being such a great soldier, might strive to harm those who miscalled him a traitor to that which he had sworn. It seems, so the seaman said, that Captain John Martin was the one who made the charges against my master, on the night after we set sail for Martinique, when all the chief men of the company were met in the great cabin, and declared that— when it was possible to do so, meaning after we had come to the land of Virginia, witnesses should be brought from the other ships to prove the wicked intent. Then it was that Captain George Kendall declared my master must be kept a close prisoner until the matter could be disposed of, and all the others, save Captain Bartholomew Gosnold, agreeing, heavy irons were put upon him. He was shut up in his sleeping-place having made no outcry, nor attempt to do any harm, save that he declared himself innocent from wrongdoing. But for Captain Gosnold and Master Hunt, the preacher, I should not have been permitted to go in and learn if I might do anything for his comfort. The other leaders declared that my master was a dangerous man, who should not be allowed to have speech with any person save themselves lest he send some message to those who were said to be concerned with him in the plot. I ATTEND MY MASTER Master Hunt spoke up right manfully in behalf of Captain Smith, with the result that I was given free entrance to that small room which had been made his prison, save that I must at all times leave the door open, so those who were in the great cabin could hear if I was charged with any message to the seamen. My eyes were filled with tears when my master told me that he had no thought save that of benefiting those who were with him in the adventure, and that he would not lend his countenance to any wicked plot. 
I begged him to understand that I knew right well he would do no manner of wrong to any man, and asked the privilege of being with him all the time, to serve him when he could not serve himself because of the irons that fettered his legs. And so it was that I had opportunity to do that which made my master as true a friend as ever lad had. For in the latter days when we were come to Virginia, and beset by savages more cruel than wild beasts, he ventured his own life again and again to save mine, which was so worthless as compared with his. Only that I might tell how the voyage progressed, did I go on deck, or have speech with Nathaniel Peacock, and only through me did my master know when we were come to this island or that, together with what was to be seen in such places. SEVERAL ISLANDS VISITED Therefore it was that when, on the next day after he was made a prisoner, we were come to anchor off that island which the savages called Guadalupe, and Nathaniel had been permitted to go on shore in one of the boats, I could tell my master of the wondrous waters which were found there. Nathaniel told me that water spouted up out of the earth so hot, that when Captain Newport threw into it a piece of pork tied to a rope, the meat was cooked in half an hour, even as if it had been over a roaring hot fire. After that we passed many islands, the names of which I could not discover, until we came to anchor within half a musket-shot from the shore of that land which is known as Nevis. Here we lay six days, and the chief men of the company went on shore for sport and to hunt, save always either Captain Martin or Captain Kendall, who remained on board to watch the poor prisoner while he, my master, lay in his narrow bed sweltering under the great heat. During all this while the seamen and our gentlemen got much profit and sport from hunting and fishing, adding in no small degree to our store of food. Had Captain Smith not been kept from going on shore by the wickedness of those who were jealous because of his great fame as a soldier, I dare venture to say our stay at this island of Nevis would have been far more to our advantage. From this place we went to what Master Hunt told me were the Virgin Islands, and here the men went ashore again to hunt. But my master, speaking no harsh words against those who were wronging him, lay in the small, stinging hot room, unable to get for himself even a cup of water though I took good care he should not suffer from lack of kindly care. Then on a certain day we sailed past that land which Captain Gosnell told me was Puerto Rico, and next morning came to anchor off the island of Mona, where the seamen were sent ashore to get fresh water, for our supply was running low. Captain Newport and many of the other gentlemen went on shore to hunt, and so great was the heat that Master Edward Brooks fell down dead one of the sailors telling Nathaniel that the poor man's fat was melted until he could no longer live. But Captain Smith, who knows more concerning such matters than all this company rolled into one, save I might except Master Hunt, declared that the fat of a live person does not melt, however great the heat. It is the sun, shining too fiercely on one's head, that brings about death, and thus it was that Master Brooks died." A VARIETY OF WILD GAME Our gentleman, who had the heart to make prisoner of so honest, upright a man as my master, did not cease their support because of what had befallen Master Brooks, 
but continued at the hunting until they had brought down two wild boars, and also an animal fashioned like unto nothing I had ever seen before. It was something after the manner of a serpent, but speckled on the stomach as is a toad, and Captain Smith believed the true name of it to be Iguana, the like of which he says that he has often seen in other countries, and that its flesh makes very good eating. If any one, save Captain Smith, had said this, I should have found it hard to believe him, and as it was, I was glad my belief was not put to the test. Two days afterward we were come to an island, which Master Hunt says is known to seamen as Monica, and there it was that Nathaniel went on shore in one of the boats, coming back at night to tell me a most wondrous story. He declared that the birds and their eggs were so plentiful that the whole island was covered with them, that one could not set down his foot, save upon eggs, or birds sitting on their nest, some of which could hardly be driven away even with blows, and when they rose in the air, the noise made by their wings was so great as to deafen a person. Our seamen loaded two boats full of the eggs in three hours, and all in the fleet feasted for several days on such as had not yet been spoiled by the warmth of the birds' bodies. It was on the next day that we left behind us those islands, which Captain Smith told me were the West Indies, and the seamen who stood at the helm when I came on deck to get water for my master, said we were steering a northerly course, which would soon bring us to the land of Virginia. THE TEMPEST on that very night, however, such a tempest of wind and of rain came upon us that I was not the only one who believed the Susan Constant must be crushed like an eggshell under the great mountains of water, which at times rolled completely over her, so flooding the decks that but few could venture out to do whatsoever of work was needed to keep the ship afloat. After this fierce tempest, when the Lord permitted that even our pinnace should ride in safety, it was believed that we were come near to the new world, and by day and by night the seamen stood at the rail, throwing the lead every few minutes in order to discover if we were venturing into shoal water. Nathaniel and I used to stand by watching them, and wishing that we might be allowed to throw the line, but never quite getting up our courage to say so, knowing full well we should probably make a tangle of it. End of section 3